a very good day to you. Welcome to Tem Podcast. My name is Apostle Timmy Evans, the Senior Pastor of Grace Grand Christian Center, Accra, Ghana. You have come to the hub of spiritual upliftment, where your spirit and your soul will be lifted with undiluted Word of God and spirit-filled worship. Continue to listen to enjoy today's episode. It's another wonderful Wednesday and you know on Wednesdays we have a short Bible study. Today we are going to continue in our Bible study. Last week I spoke on the attitude of growth and I spoke on the stages of growth, stages of spiritual growth. Number one is the babes, the babes who are they, they just got born again they just got into the kingdom they have only the awareness of their sins being forgiven and we have the young men that i was able to speak as i spoke extensively on the vulnerabilities of the young men and then we also have the fathers the fathers are those who have matured spiritually and they have now become a conduit of power, a conduit of knowledge, and a conduit of wisdom for other upcoming believers. We call them the spiritual fathers. So you don't need to be an old man in order to be a spiritual father. It is actually your spiritual experience and the knowledge you have about God that can make you a father in the Lord. Today, we are going to begin another topic on the same attitude of the heart but this time we are looking at the attitude of self-discipline we are looking at attitude of self-discipline in the book of first corinthians chapter 9 first corinthians chapter 9 from verse 24 to 27 apostle paul compared our christian journey to a particular spot he compared a journey with God as running a race. It is not uncommon to hear preachers, evangelists, pastors speak to Christians about surrendering to God. It is not uncommon for us to hear that we are being encouraged to lay our life on the altar for God. The phrase, they are not bad, they are not unbiblical, but they tend to paint a picture of a passive approach to spiritual growth. Apostle Paul, who clearly surrendered himself to God, according to the book of Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, used much different language in describing how a Christian should live out his discipleship unto God. So today we are looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 24 to 27 Apostle Paul compared our work with God our 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 discipleship to a sport what the apostle is saying is that every athlete every athlete that is going to run a race knows that is running for a particular mastery is running to become a champion he, before the actual running he get himself involved a rigorous exercise to train himself and that is an act of discipline like preparing himself for the upcoming game 
as an act of discipline and if we are going to look at a christian race just as apostle paul looked at it as a sport as an olympic event we need to understand that our journey with god requires a lot of personal disciplines the corinthians were always involved in the sporting event because then their city was constantly the host of something that was called the Isthmian Games. It was an Olympic style sporting event that was that was held every year before and after the Olympics. The average Corinthian man or woman would have been keenly aware of the discipline and stamina required for a man to succeed at the games. So Pork used their familiarity with sporting events to help them understand the discipline necessary to succeed in the Christian life. He described himself as a runner in a race who has a prize in his sight or a professional boxer who makes contact with each of his blows. Apostle Paul compared the Christian journey to a sporting race because he is trying to establish that self-discipline is required if we must succeed as disciples of Christ. Discipleship is an integral part of our journey with God. A disciple is the one who has listened to the master and is following in the footsteps of his master. We are all disciples of Christ and as disciples of Christ, we cannot just take the journey for granted. It requires that we discipline ourselves in order for us to gain the reward of working with God. We saw in the life of Apostle Paul how he disciplined himself. There are things that he that are good for his body but he avoids them not because he is not in need of them but because of self-discipline. Now, self-discipline is a mark of discipleship and an integral part of self-discipline is the idea of self-denial. We live in a society where self-denial has given way to indulgence and instant gratifications. There is no need in our affluent society to go without or to deny ourselves anything. You see, self-denial is very important in our work with God. What do I mean by self-denial here? There are things that our flesh will demand from us. There are things that our peers will demand from us. There are things that we will see our friends do, our associates, they do it. Discipleship requires that we deny ourselves the self-gratification, the self-satisfaction that is derived from ungodliness. The, disi- the disciple needs to discipline himself. He needs to learn to deny himself pleasures and indulgences. A disciple does not only need to deny himself from self-indulgences, but he also needs to protect his spiritual work with God to ensure that he is in constant control of his flesh and that the flesh is not controlling him. The self-denier is a sign of true disciple shape in Christ. So it means that I deny myself of things that my body likes. I deny myself of things that my stomach likes. That's what makes me a disciple. According to the book of Luke, Matthew chapter 16 verse 24, Matthew chapter 16 verse 24, what did Jesus say that a man should do to self if he desired to be his disciple? Jesus said 
if any man will follow me, he must deny himself. He must deny himself. That's where self-denial comes in. In order for us to be a true disciple of Christ, we must deny ourselves. What are you denying yourself of? You are denying yourself of pleasure. You are denying yourself of self-gratifications. You are denying yourself of things that does not bring glory to the name of the Lord. Those who are in Christ are disciples of Christ. Those who are in Christ are Christ's. It means that we have the likeness of Christ. We talk like Christ. We behave like Christ. We reason like Christ. We love like Christ. We deny ourselves just as Christ denied himself. Jesus had the power to command mansions to appear, but he chose not to because that was not the reason why he came to the world. He understood his assignment. And that assignment that God gave him requires that he denies himself of certain pleasure. I am not a true disciple of Christ until I am able to deny myself or to deny my flesh of certain pleasure. The book of Romans chapter 13 verse 13 to 14 encouraged us we should put on Christ. He said we should put on Christ. Now, how will putting on, on Christ affect our flesh? When you put on Christ, you are able to subdue the desires of the flesh. To be a disciple of Christ, we must be willing to crucify ourselves. We must be willing to give our life. We must be willing to give up our desires. We must be able to give up our priorities over to the control of Jesus Christ. By giving control over to Jesus Christ, it means that we are humble enough to submit ourselves to the will of God. And this must be constant. It must be day-by-day day subjection of our own bodies to our control as we are led by the Spirit of God. That's what makes us a disciple of Christ. Now, what are the motivations for self-discipline? Number one, in our work with God, number one, we must seek the best. We must seek the best. A lot of Christians spend their life trying to find the fine line between liberty and sin. Once they find that line, they spend the rest of their lives in the precarious position of trying to walk that line without falling full onto sin. Paul had a different perspective. He not only abstained from an out sin, but also avoided anything that had even the potential to control or hinder him. So, in our work with God, we must learn to yield control to Christ and seek what is the best for our Christian journey. It is true that the Christian will be forgiven of every sin if he, if he sincerely repents, asking God's forgiveness according to the book of John chapter 1 verse 9. But this is not a license to sin according to Romans chapter 5 verse 1 to 2, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 16. The question that all Christians should be asking themselves is not that is it wrong but rather is it beneficial to my spiritual growth. When temptation comes to us to do certain things or to, to commit certain mistakes, the first question you should ask ourselves is if the action we are about to take is beneficial to our spiritual growth. That is where self-discipline begins. That's where we begin to cultivate and exhibit the attitude of self-discipline. 
before I take an action. As a Christian, the first question I ask myself is if the action I'm about to take is beneficial to my spiritual growth. What value will this action I'm about to take add to my spiritual life? Will it take me away from God or will this my action bring me closer to God? You see, Paul desires to discipline himself in order to avoid anything that might hurt his spiritual life. It's a great mark of spiritual maturity. When we begin to take action that protects our spiritual life, that is when we begin to grow. Hallelujah. That is where self-discipline comes in. Self-discipline, the first step, the first marker of a disciplined be- believer is that every action of his, every action of hers is being put on a scale of spiritual maturity. So I am checking every action I'm about to take to see whether it hurts my spiritual growth or it advances my spiritual growth or it brings my spiritual life down. When we look at the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 23, in this passage Paul repeats what he had already said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, but he adds a phrase. What else should we take into consideration when deciding whether or not something is right to take part in it? Paul does not want to get involved in anything that does not edify. So number two thing for me to know when I am trying to be self-disciplined is that every of my action, every step that I'm about to take must be a step that edifies the brethren or that encourages the brethren. It means that all my day-to-day activities I am looking at edifying i'm looking at building up the next person that is standing beside me so if i am provoked i react to that provocation in such a way that does not bring down the spirit or the growth of the other person standing next to me but i react in a matured way in order to build up the next person that is standing by me that is self-discipline so first of all i take every of my action through the cross i ask myself this action i'm about to take does it bring growth to me or does it bring my spiritual life down number two i check even if every of my action edifies the next person that will be looking at me the next person that will be listening to me the way i'm about to react to whatever i am about to react to does it edify the brethren so if a believer sees me reacting to this issue will they grow or will i bring their spirit down hallelujah you can write down the book of romans chapter 14 verse 19 take a deep study on that passage romans chapter 15 verse 2 first corinthians chapter 8 verse 1 first corinthians chapter 14 ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 ephesians 4 verse 29 and first thessalonians chapter 5 verse 11 so paul was always conscious as to whether or not his action would be a benefit or a stumbling block to his fellow christians so Self-discipline means that every action that I take, every decision that I take, every step that I take as a believer, I always check before I, I take the step to see if my action will edify the brethren or if it will become a stumbling block to them. So somebody says something bad about me and I get to hear about it. How should I react at that moment? The first question I ask myself is that, I have a natural way, I have a natural prompting for my emotions to react in a particular way. Then, as a Christian, I discipline myself not to react in that way because I want to edify the next person that is standing beside me. 
or the next person that I'm going to meet. The person needs to know that I am a changed person. I am a believer in Christ. That is why I am reacting this way I'm reacting now. And through that my action, that person's faith will be strengthened. That is self-discipline. It does not mean that I am a fool. It simply means that I am channeling my emotions, everything about my life through the word of God, through the, the, the journey of spiritual maturity. Number three things that is a sign of self-discipline is every action that I take, I try as much as possible to avoid entanglement. I am avoiding whether physical or spiritual entanglement. So it's, it's going to be a premeditated action. More like I've made my decision that I am not going to get involved in anything that will entangle my life and that will tarnish the, the, the name of the Lord in my life. Paul understood that although we are under the grace and not under the law, not everything were beneficial for us. He also understood that not all things edifies and build up to the brethren. Further still, he understood that there are some things that are not necessarily sinful but have the potential to bring us into bondage. For all of these reasons, he was willing to discipline his body and to bring it under his control. Somebody asked me a question sometimes back that, is it a sin for a Christian to drink alcohol? And the answer I provided is that somebody who is actually a spirit-filled believer, somebody who is actually a spirit-filled believer, your interests are on some, some other things that are spiritual. Your interest is not in... Alcohol will not even come to your mind. It will come to your mind because you are constantly in touch with the Spirit of God. There is no way you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and you'll be thinking about alcohol. No, because alcohol does not do any good thing to the body. You start small. From there, you graduate into finishing a whole bottle. From finishing a whole bottle to two bottles. You cannot be self-disciplined when it comes to alcohol. So you discipline yourself. You are not drinking more than one bottle. Somebody else will say you, oh, brother Jay, brother Jakes is drinking alcohol. It means it is not a sin. And the person go and buy five bottles. So I have to avoid anything that will entangle my life. Anything that will bring down the spirit and the soul of another person. That's what self-discipline is all about. And as a believer, it is an attitude that we must have. Things that are not beneficial to our spirit can bring us into bondage and we must avoid them. We must avoid them. May God help us in the name of Jesus. There are a lot of things that we need to discipline ourselves about in our, in our workplace, in our day-to-day -day relationship with people, in our neighborhood to avoid bringing dent to the name of the lord hallelujah remember i'm going to I'm, I'm going to stop here today and we're going to continue next week on learning moderation what does the bible say about moderation what what would be the role of moderation in my self-discipline and how will moderation convert me to be a true believer how will moderation help me in my walk with the lord god bless you I believe you have been blessed by today's episode. Please subscribe to the podcast so that you can always get notified as soon as a new episode is available. For counseling and prayers, use the contact page on tempodcast.life. You can also follow me on Facebook 
at Apostle Timmy Evans and on Twitter at APST Timmy Evans. To support with donations, please click on the donation page on tempodcast.live and make your donation. God bless you.